Everybody, welcome in. Sharpening the Edge Championship Weekend. Along with Lucas Rymink, I'm Dennis Fithian. We are ready to kick this one off on this Friday. We normally pick the Lions, Michigan, Michigan State, and we have three best bets, a lock of the week, and a prop and a parlay. Nine units uh, in all, but Lucas, uh, no more Michigan State. They're out of the picture, and then we have all of these uh, championship games, so we decided to pick the Power Five title games and would still pick the Lions. How's, how's that sound? Sounds great. I'm just glad we're uh, we're back here picking again because it means Michigan won for the third year in a row, headed back to Indianapolis, hopefully to win Big Ten for the third year in a row. And uh, I picked the Buckeyes last week, so happily uh, wrong about that one and excited to uh, to be here with you again this week. Do you think Michigan makes the college football playoff if they somehow come out on the wrong side of the score tomorrow night in Indy? You know, that's really tough to sort out. There are just so many different scenarios. And in my opinion, there's like six or seven teams this year that I think all could have a reasonable argument by the end of the day tomorrow to be in. And I, I don't know, just based on past years, I feel like there's really only been like four almost every year. Like like one year, there was five. I think Texas A&M really wanted to be in in the COVID year maybe. Uh, and they only had one loss, if I remember right. But every other year, I feel like there's been a pretty clear top four. And this year, I feel like there's a, like six or seven that you could like re- make a reasonable argument for. And maybe some of it will just shake itself, take its shelf out on its own, and it'll just like end up with the four like we've had in the past years. But uh, I don't know. It kind of depends on what else happens around them. Uh, I would guess they'd be on the outside looking in. They'd probably need some help uh, to some degree if they did seem to lo- somehow lose. So uh yeah, hopefully uh, we're not in that situation. That would not be a fun selection uh, process that we'd have to go through there. No, let's not test that one out to see what the uh, the deal is. All right, let's get into these picks. We've got all the title games of the Power 5 to go, but we'll start out with the Lions, who are a little bit of a slide. They ruin everyone's Thanksgiving by uh, getting wiped off the field by the Packers. They were, I don't know, they were lucky to give them credit, but they – kind of sloughed their way through the uh, most of the game against the Bears. They came back and won it, but uh, the defense looks a little shaky. They head down to New Orleans. Uh, what are they, four-point favorites? Four and a half. That's what I saw, yeah. Four and a half. Well, I've got them winning by five, 35 to 30 in this one, and a bounce back. I don't love, you know, sitting around thinking about, you know, the Lions' defense and how they've performed here, but – not like the Saints have been overly impressive. Uh, they are at home, but I think the Lions uh, win this one, and I think they cover the four and a half. Hopefully your uh, score prediction's not accurate because I got the under. I got under 46 and a half here. A uh, couple reasons why. I really like the Saints' defense. I think they have a good defense. They're, they are a little bit banged up, so there's a chance that this goes wrong. Uh, just the way Goff has looked lately has been a little unnerving. Uh, to say the least, the last couple of weeks he hasn't been nearly as good as he was a little earlier in the season. And the Saints' offense themselves, they're pretty underwhelming, even though they are at home. They don't really have a downfield threat throwing the football, so that really doesn't scare you from that perspective. Right? So, like, the Lions' secondary has issues. We've seen that play out multiple times so far this year. But they can still really defend the run, and the Saints just aren't built to exploit the defense in the way that some of the other teams that they lost to so far this year have been. Um, so I'm just going to go with the under 46 and a half here. I think four, four and a half right in that range is pretty much dead on uh, in the spread. So I don't really want to touch that. So I'll just go with the under 46 and a half in that one. 
All right, from the pro games, we go to championship weekend, and that starts tonight. Really, it starts at 7 o'clock, but the the Power Five gets going tonight with Oregon and Washington, a rematch, 8 o'clock. It's the going out of business for the Pac-12 game as uh, you have Oregon favored by 9.5 in this one. I'll let you start it out. Yeah, I'm really torn in this one, to be totally honest with you. A lot of the numbers I've looked at, the analytics, they like Oregon quite a bit. But my head kind of says Washington because it's a nine-point spread. They beat them last time they played. It's like just in my head, they shouldn't be this big of a dog. Um, but I'm going to trust the numbers here. I'm going to go with the Ducks. Uh, main reason why is Michael Penix was going to look quite right in about a month, really, since the last time they played Oregon. And I think the revenge factor for the Ducks is are, is going to be a real thing. And I also think they need style points to kind of cement their status in the upcoming top four. And like a close win might be enough to get them win. But if they get a convincing win, that would pretty much cement it. That would put the stamp on that they will be in the playoff. So I think if Washington has a chance to keep running it up, keep piling up points, I think they're going to do that. So I will take the Ducks to cover that one. I loved watching the first game. First game. If you like fourth down conversions and two-point conversion attempts without really any rhyme or reason, this is your game because the Oregon is going to go for it every time. In Washington, they know that Oregon's going to go every time, so they feel like they're going every time. So it's going to be wild. You know, since the Oregon-Washington, the first game, Washington, they haven't been the same team. They've been on a steep decline, especially when you look at Michael Penix and, and some of his numbers. Uh, I love Adunze, the wide receiver. That guy is awesome. I, he would be one of the first players after Marvin Harrison. Uh, he would be the second wide receiver for me off the board when we were thinking about the NFL draft. But I like the Ducks to win this one, 35-28, but I'll take the nine and a half points. Really, my selection here is going to be the under 65 and a half, but I would also take Washington and the nine and a half points in that one. All right, we turn the page to tomorrow. A lot of interesting games, and we start out at noon. What a big number, 15-and-a-half for Texas. I know that Oklahoma State has the OG, two, and that is Ollie Gordon. And I thought if Texas is good against the run, that's going to be the key. Guess what? They have a really good run defense, the Longhorns do. And what you're talking about with style points, Texas needs that and some. That's why, even though it's such a huge number, I think Texas will cover it, something like 38-13. to 13. They need a blowout. I'll take the horns. I'm with you as well. Uh, pretty much the same exact reasoning that you were talking about there. They are fourth nationally in rushing defense. Like you mentioned, Ali Gar- Gordon's kind of the straw that stirs the drink for that Pokes offense. And Alan Bowman, former Michigan quarterback, uh, transferred over. He's a starting quarterback there now for Oklahoma State. He hasn't been. He hasn't, been, hasn't had a terrible year, but he also hasn't had a very good year. And when Ali Gordon struggles to run it, he is really – um, it sticks out because um, their offense pretty much just screeches to a halt. Uh, that's what happened in that UCF game a few weeks ago. Oh. And, I, and I could see that happening again here against Texas. I think it's just a bad matchup for Oklahoma State. I got this one 31-13 Texas. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma State's a real roller coaster. I took them to beat Oklahoma. Then I you know, doubled down for UCF. They look great. They look terrible. Woo! Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going with them either. So we agree on that one. You can make a case that this is the most interesting game, and that is the SEC championship game, which will kick off at uh, 4 o'clock. And I uh, look at this one. The dogs, uh, they have such a balanced attack. And, and 
I watched the Iron Bowl and I kept watching uh, Alabama's run defense give up these huge, they was getting shredded and they're really lucky. I mean, the Milrow miracle, if you didn't have that at the end of the game, I think this would be a lot bigger number. That's why I am inclined to lay the five, even five and a half points and take the dogs to win this one over Alabama, mostly from what I saw with that uh, Alabama defense uh, last week. So give me Georgia minus the five and a half. My lean for that one was Georgia as well, but I'm going to attack the over here. I got the over 55 and a half. I really like so far what I've seen from Carson Beck really all year. I think if he were to go pro, I think he could be drafted early second round, maybe in the late first round. He's been that good for, for them so far this year. Georgia's defense, uh, their secondary is kind of like the strength of that defense. I don't think their front seven is as good as it was in both 2021 and 2022. And then Bama's offense are kind of a power-based ground attack, and then they take shots off of the play action. Jalen Milrow is a big factor with his feet. I think they're going to be attacking the weakness of that Georgia defense, and I think they're going to be able to score more than people might expect in that one. I got the Bulldogs winning 31-27, to so I will take that over 55.5 there. I see what you're saying. Now this gets us to the uh, 8 o'clock games. I'm going to look to the JV game, and that is uh, the ACC. That is uh, Florida State minus 1.5 against Louisville. Louisville lost last week to Kentucky in a shootout. FSU has lost their quarterback. Now their second-string quarterback, he took a cheap shot last week. They put him back, but he doesn't look like he was the same when he's back there. So now they might have to go to their third-string quarterback. I don't know. You want to bet Florida State with that? I don't. You know, the one thing I looked here is like, you know, Trey Benson is a – he'll be the first running back taken off the board in the NFL draft, the Florida State running back. And I said, well, how's Louisville's run defense? Well, they've got a top-10 power five run defense, although – Ray Davis had three touchdowns last week, including a, a he he broke off a big one at the end for a touchdown. So I, you know this is a very tough game to pick here. That's why I went to the over forty-seven and a half, thirty to twenty-eight. I have this game, but I am going to pick Louisville outright for the upset, and the committee doesn't have to worry about leaving them out. I think they'll get beat out, but I'm going to go with the over forty-seven and a half officially. For my selection. I'm just taking Louisville. Uh, this would be my lock of the week. Uh, I, I really believe Jeff Brown is one of the best offensive minds in college football. I really trust him. Jahar Jordan is the running back there for Louisville's offense. He's had a really good year. Banged up a little bit, was getting healthy again towards the end of the schedule. And I just think Florida State without Jordan Travis and maybe even their second string now as well, like you were mentioning, is going to struggle to have a lot of success consistently against this Louisville defense. It's going to be a ground-based attack, obviously, with Trey Benson. They're going to lean on him as much as they possibly can. And Louisville's defense, if you ever watch them, they're very aggressive. Um, they, they pretty much just blitz the heck out of everybody they play. And they, they're not shy about coming and getting your face. And they're going to focus that effort on stopping Seminole's run game as much as possible. I think they're going to force a turnover to where the, with the backup quarterback, maybe the third-string quarterback. I think they're going to win that game outright. So I'm taking that uh, plus one and a half there for Louisville. You and I see that one the same way. Now we get to Michigan going for three Big Ten championships in a row. This will be like 2021 when they beat Iowa, if they're able to do it tomorrow, because they are taking on uh, Iowa 22, 22 and a half, 23, depending on where you're looking, what I've seen it at. Uh, I look at this one, you know, everybody knows the offense, defense, and special teams. Iowa is pretty good with two of those three, but 
no offense. And if this was the regular season, you know, uh, Matt has Michigan 34, nothing. The numbers suggest that I was not going to get into double figures. When you look at Michigan's defense and you look at that Iowa offense, they just don't have anyone. If they had Kate McNamara and Eric all and Cooper, DeGene, it might be a little bit different, but they don't. Uh, and I'll have to take uh, Michigan here big, but because this is Iowa's championship, their national championship, I'll have to take the 22 points. I think Michigan's going to win, but I'm going to say 30 to 10. Uh, they win the Big Ten title game, but they don't cover the 22. Yeah, this is kind of tricky for me, in all honesty, because in my opinion, the margin of victory is largely dependent on the turnovers in this game and how that shakes themselves out. And turnovers are very, very hard to predict week in and week out. You mentioned no Cooper DeGene there for Iowa. Doesn't sound like, well, Johnson's going to be a hundred percent if he does play. Uh, that's kind of a question mark as well. And what I do think is Michigan's offense is going to be pretty conservative here. Obviously Iowa's defense is really good in particular, their secondary. And what makes them dangerous as a defense is they're very, very good at forcing turnovers particularly in the secondary. So it's a lot of interceptions, tip passes, those sorts of things. I think Michigan knows that they can win this game just by running the ball and playing good defense. And I think with that being said, I think they're going to start a little slower uh, than they you might expect. I think it's going to be a slow scoring first half in general. Um, so I got the first half under 18 and a half. It's the, a little bit off the board, a little bit tricky here. But this is just my favorite bet for the game. I think it's going to be a slow scoring first half. Uh, everyone's going to get to a slow start. Michigan's offense is going to be fairly conservative. And then they're going to start piling it on in the second half when they start wearing out that Iowa defense. I got Michigan winning 31 to six, but I think it might only be like 14 to zero or something like that at halftime. So I'll take that under in that first half at 18 and a half. We would have them covering the 22, 23 though. So uh, take it for what it's worth before we get to our props in parlay. I like both of mine. Uh, how about some wild card questions that have just come up out of the blue here on Sharpening the Edge? I've been answering these all day, so I'm going to let you answer them. Wade says, do you think Dante Moore is interested in coming home to Michigan? The uh, Detroit quarterback who first committed to Oregon and played his freshman year at UCLA is in the transfer portal. Lucas, do you think he's interested in coming home? Honestly, no idea on that one. Um, it's if this was like a betting line and you're going to set a betting line, I would take the field minus whatever money uh, you're going to, you're going to make me lay. Uh, I would, I'd say it's unlikely, quite unlikely that he ends up at Michigan. Somebody, uh, I think it was Bruce Feldman in the athletic was mentioning Michigan state as a possible destination. I don't know if I really see that one either, um, but I would, I would take the field. I really think there's, there's so many schools that are going to be interested in him. And I really have no idea what, is the top priority for him as he seeks his next school. Um, it sounds like there was kind of some NIL fallout at UCLA. So maybe he, you know, he gets a little introspective. He realizes, okay, maybe I made a mistake the first time around chasing that NIL, looking to play right away. Maybe I wasn't ready for that. Maybe taking the money up front uh, kind of burned me uh, at my last destination. So maybe there's a change of heart there and he's totally going from scratch this time around. I just have no idea. Um, how that would shake out, how that would go. But my my money, if I had to bet it, I would bet on the field uh, rather than coming home to play at Michigan. Uh, but I, and Michigan State is uh, seems like a weird fit to me with um, no prior relationship there with uh, the new coach. And I get it. It's Michigan State. It's the home school, and they might be a little bit more 
willing to give you something up front in terms of money. Uh, I just, I just don't know. That looks more like a rebuilding um, type squad for me for next year. For the Spartans, if I were him, I'd want to go to a school that's going to be a little bit better team around you to help you out. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, think he'd go to Michigan State either. I think he goes to the highest bidder. So whoever that is, we'll see. But that's a, just a guess, just like this one is going to be a guess. P. Maximus asking about, uh, do we see any Wolverines in the portal? I would say this. Look at who has played in the last couple games and look who plays tomorrow night. The guys that don't play, those are your likely candidates to hit the transfer portal. Harbaugh was saying in the offseason he wants to play a lot of guys. You know what? He did play a lot of guys. The guys that didn't play, those were, I would say, all be candidates to hit the transfer portal. And and that's what I would take a look at. So there's probably a good 10-15 that you could uh, name here. What do you think? Yeah, kind of with you. Uh, I don't know. There's some names that I definitely don't want to hit the portal. Um, Darius Clements uh, is kind of the one that's the top of my mind. I thought he was going to have a better year than he had this year. I uh, still really like the player. I really like the talent. Just hasn't clicked so far for him yet at Michigan. Uh, but with Roman probably leaving and Cornelius probably leaving as well, there's going to be two starting spots up for grabs. Those guys played a lot of snaps, got a lot of passes in their Michigan career. So maybe that'll be enough to keep a guy like Darius Clemens around. Uh, but he's definitely a name I do not want to see enter the portal. Um, and I think with Michigan's the roster um, complexion that they have right now, they have a ton of guys who are fourth, fifth, sixth-year guys who are going to be leaving after the season. So I honestly don't think they're going to lose a ton of guys who are going to be key contributors for like that 25-2016. Um, but that's just a total guess, in my opinion. I I would guess based on how many guys they're going to have leaving after this year that they're not going to be uh, missing a ton of guys enter the portal. Makes sense to me. All right, let's get to our props and our parlays. And I'll start out with a parlay. This one is already in and waiting to just be realized over the next two days. I've got a trio of anytime touchdown scores. I'm going to go with uh, Bucky Irving, the running back for the Ducks, to score tonight against Washington. He scored in the first meeting and had over uh, 100 yards, 127 yards. He scores almost every game. I know you took him for a a, uh, a touchdown parlay, and he came through. So I've got Bucky Irving for the Ducks. I'm going to look to Florida State tomorrow, and I already mentioned Trey Benson. He scored 14 touchdowns on the year. He's all they have. He's going to score a touchdown against Louisville. And I have Blake Corum. I know Iowa has uh, only given up a nation's best two rushing touchdowns all year long, but Blake Corum has scored every game, and he scored two against Ohio State, and he scored two against Penn State. Those teams actually have better rush defenses than Iowa statistically. So I've got Corum, Benson, and Irving, plus 186 for those three touchdowns. I feel great about that. That one's already in. What about your parlay? I like that as well. That sounds pretty good. I might have to, I might have to hit that one up as well. Tell you on that one. This, uh, my parlay, I'll, I'll admit right up front. It's, it's a little bit out there. This is just the, what I think is going to happen this weekend parlay. Uh, that's, that's all I've got to call it. Um, <laughs> so I'm a big, uh, implied probability guy. That's kind of what betting numbers are largely founded on. Um, like spreads, uh, money lines, all that sort of thing. It's, it's all tied to implied probability. So really what you're doing when you're taking a bet is you're saying, I think the likelihood that this happens is far greater than what the books believe. Uh, that's, that's kind of what it means when you take a side. And my parlay here, my implied probability for this parlay is about 
And in my opinion, I just think it should be closer to 30 to 35. Um, so I'll take that juice there. Um, it's I got Louisville winning outright. I already covered that a little bit. I got Michigan uh, winning at Iowa. Talked about that already as well. I don't think they're going to have too many problems there. Georgia beating Bama. Uh, you like them to cover. I'm just taking them to win here in this one. Oregon uh, to beat Washington tonight. I like them to cover as well slightly. And then Texas to win. Uh, I think all of those teams are going to take care of this business and win. And I think the juice that you're getting on this far outweighs the, the risk chance here. Uh, like I mentioned, about 14 points in implied probability value that I think you're getting. Uh, a couple reasons why I think the books are a little bit off. I have um, Louisville favored some of the metrics that I've looked at. So I think the wrong team's favored there in the ACC. So I, that's just one thing I think the books are getting wrong. And the other one, I think Texas are both a little bit un being undervalued in terms of the betting market. Um, so I just think both teams are going to cover, obviously. Um, talked about that a little bit already. So I, I just think those spreads should be a little bit higher than what they are. So I think that would jump that uh, implied probability up and uh, take all those five teams on a money line that's plus 350. Uh, I just think that's far likely, far more likely to happen than the number suggests. So I like that value there. Well, I could see it happening, and you could be going into tomorrow night just needing Michigan and Louisville to cash it out. You might think about hedging your bet if it ends up you get your first three, depending on how much you put down. So uh, I like that one as well. Michigan, Georgia, Oregon, Texas, and then Louisville, the underdog to win outright, which I picked as well. So I am with you on that. This gets us to – our props. And I was looking at an awful lot of them, but I came back to this one and it's with the Michigan and Iowa game. I was looking at Iowa, where they were susceptible, where they could be had and all of that. And I went back. The only game that I watched them play this year, Iowa was when they went to happy Valley and got smoked by Penn state. Drew Aller threw four touchdowns in that game. If you look it up, three of those touchdowns went to tight ends. This is my reasoning for going to Colston Loveland for an anytime touchdown is plus 230 tomorrow. He scored in a uh, the Big Ten Championship game last year. I think it was Michigan's first score in that game. I think he's going to do it again. He had a great game last week. Uh, so if that means anything, I think it does. He's rolling. He's a star. Jim Harbaugh on Saturday called him our Travis Kelsey. I think Michigan's Travis Kelsey scores an anytime touchdown tomorrow, 230. I am almost ready to go with A.J. Barner, who's like plus 370 to score as well. They're going to be a tight end parade, but I'm just going to, for this purposes uh, and the prop, I'm going to go with Loveland, plus 230, anytime touchdown tomorrow. My prop is a little bit on the pessimistic side. Um, so it's J.J. under 192.5 passing yards. This is really just a projection on how Michigan will choose to play this game. I already talked about why I think they're going to be a little bit more conservative. Um, Iowa really focuses on turning teams over. They they play like a soft cover three, cover four, keep everything in front of you and make you drive a length of the field. There's not going to be a ton of explosive plays, I don't think, for Michigan, at least in the passing game in this one. They're just so disciplined in that zone coverage. I think they're going to run the ball uh, far more often than they pass in this one. So just on a pure number standpoint, uh, far more likely to run for more yards and they are going to pass for more yards and JJ I in my opinion he can still play really well and still only throw for like 150 175 yards 
he only threw for 150 against Ohio State, and I think he had one of his best games of the year. Um, had a couple really dynamic uh, passes and plays in general in that game. So it's not really a knock on JJ that I think he's going to go under this total. It's more of a reflection on how I think Michigan's going to go about uh, this game. And JJ also hasn't gone above this total, uh, the 192 and a half, since the Purdue game. So it's been a while since they really let him air it out. I don't think they're going to need to in this game. And if they do, that's probably a bad sign. Uh, I think they're just going to run the ball and uh, go out of there with a win and kind of save the passing game and more stuff that they don't want to show on film for their potential playoff matchup. So I'm going to go JJ under that 192 and a half passing yards there. It makes sense to me. And if Michigan gets up by 10, it's like being up 30 on another team. And if they're up by 30, they're just going to turn around. You're going to see a quorum. You're going to see Khalil Mullings. You're going to see Donovan Edwards. You're going to see a heavy dose in the run game. I am with you on that. So Michigan gets up 10 early. Watch out. A lot of handoffs. Just hopefully that first touchdown goes to Loveland. All right. Great job, Lucas. Good luck. I like all your picks uh, for what that's worth. Of course, I like all of mine as well. I would have been putting them out there. Good luck and enjoy championship weekend, which begins tonight. Yep, that's right. Go blue. Three in a row. There he is. And there we are, our Sharpening the Edge championship weekend.